0: Landline radio, landline radio, I energy, no filter. Oh yeah! Okay, very excited to be here in studio with uh House Candidate David Schaff. How you doing? I'm doing fine. How about you? Pretty good. Glad you're here. Happy to happy to chat. You're you're in one of the many heads up races, so you don't uh, rank choice voting doesn't apply to your race. You're running against Laddie Shaw, the incumbent in kind of right. one of the South Anchorage districts. Yep, they were the, the only two uh, candidates. So I want to talk about that in a bit, but first I kind of want to go back and talk about you. I, I didn't, haven't heard of you and hadn't heard of you until you filed, and then once you did file, I kind of started hearing from some of my labor friends. that You have, you have kind of a big background in labor, right?
1: Right. Um, I've been in labor for quite some time, uh, starting maybe 40-odd years ago. I was in a union uh, back east. Uh, then I ended up at the NLRB in 19- National
0: Labor Review Board.
1: National Labor Relations Rel- Board. Oh, sorry, Relations Board. Right. Yep. Um, at the headquarters there, spent a you know a couple few years there, and then uh, came out here. Um, and I've been the only attorney for the board out here in Alaska for 20 years. Where'd you go to Where'd you go to law school?
0: Uh, Northeastern. Ooh, School of Law. It's a good one. Yep. So you grew up, you said, we're talking before, you grew up on the East Coast or mostly the East Coast? Mostly, yes. And you, you were born, you said, Scranton. Mm-hmm. That's where the Dunley, Governor Dunleavy is from. Well,
1: it's also, uh, uh, Scranton's also where uh, Biden is from.
0: <laughs> right, yeah, that's true. Yeah, he's talked about that. So you moved here, it's about 20 years ago, but I mean, when, when you were growing, I mean, were you always kind of after law school, always doing labor stuff? Uh, no, um, I,
1: uh, my love, so to say, was uh, philosophy. That was my major in college. And also, that's uh, where I went to um, graduate school. At, that was in St. Louis, uh, uh, Saint, uh, Washington U at St. Louis. Mm-hmm. You went to undergrad there? Uh, no, that was my graduate.
0: Where'd you go to the undergrad?
1: My undergrad was Boston University.
0: Well, you got a nice, uh, pretty good resume there, David. <laughs> <laughs> Look at you. So, how'd you end up? You said you were doing legal work here. How'd, I mean, kind of talk about how you ended up in Alaska.
1: Oh, I had family here uh, since 59. My uncle uh, lived here. He used to be, um, well, he started as a uh, professor at what was back then Alaska Methodist University, and today it's Pacific. Oh, yeah, sure. And uh, then he became dean, and then after that he became
0: the state geologist. That was your uncle? Yeah. Huh? So he was he he's from the East Coast? Uh, he was too, yeah. How did he get, how did, it's 59, it's statehood, right? So how did he...
1: Well, um, being a geologist, Alaska was like uh, the premier place to be (laughs) when you were a geologist Mm -hmm. back then, because uh, there was out of all the 50 states, if you're going to be a state geologist, this was the one. Plus, um, he got his job
0: at the Alaska Methodist University. So that's where he started. So you, I guess, kept up with like you were in touch with him and Mm -hmm. you kind of that was your like Alaska connection. Yep. So if he wouldn't have come here, maybe you, you would never have come here.
1: Maybe not. No, probably not. But it all depends. Um, I, uh, once I
0: came to Alaska, I really loved the it's place. It's funny how in like just life, though, you know, some, you have some connection or some, you meet somebody or something and that can impact kind of like your decisions and, your, you know, the whole tra- trajectory of your life.
1: Yeah, it's definitely. But uh, it was really, it was a beautiful place. And I was able to see how Alaska and Anchorage
0: particularly grew up since uh, the early 60s when I first came. So you, you came here, he was here, so you were, you were here, I, mean, I assume you are pretty young back then. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it must have been so much, I, I read a lot of books about Alaska history, and especially in the 70s, kind of the pipeline days and the money. and. Yeah, I was, know, before, I was
1: actually here before the pipeline um, when I came. Um, and it was after that that they discovered the oil. So um, I saw yeah. it after the oil, so before and after.
0: Yeah, I think they discovered pr- um, in the 60s. Yeah. late 60s kind of Prudhoe Bay yeah so back that- so back then I mean it's actually kind of funny I was talking to somebody about this recently you know air travel as we know it now commercial air travel hasn't really changed in 60 years not I mean, too much but the, e- e- the planes actually now are a little even slower than they were in the because because of air, you know fuel efficiency mm-hmm. but yeah yeah so back then what you flew from how'd you get here Oh, I flew. Like uh, Seattle well, or? I
1: flew once, uh, twice, I guess. Maybe three times I flew. And then I drove up here. Um, I stayed up here for like six months right after I got out of college.
0: That was in this, what year was that? That was 75. Oh, so that was kind of pipeline yeah. time. Did exactly. you work at all or did you do anything with the pipeline? No, not with the pipeline, no. I just, um, we have this landline book club. We started, I started a year and a half ago, and we did two books that were really amazing um coming into the country john mcphee if mm-hmm. you haven't re- and then and then going to extremes joe mcginnis yeah i haven't i haven't seen mcginnis's but i have seen the uh the um coming to america yeah coming into the country their country right yeah they're, they're both about the same time period but the mcginnis one more fo- i mean focuses on kind of some of the politics a little more and the mcphee one does too but just kind of like the, well, the money was and so detailed <laughs> the the problem with the McPhee book is, is um, it's a great book and I loved it. There was parts of it I, I liked more than there was a whole thing about moving the capital. There was a whole chapter about that. But um, his like, I feel like I have a pretty decent vocabulary and every couple, every page or two, I'm like, what the hell? Like, what does this word mean? <laughs> He's using really like words you ha- hardly ever hear used. And the McGinnis one is a lot more kind of free. You can just, you know, little little anecdotes and stories about Juno and, you know, even Fairbanks and all the cre- Valdez. It sounds like that might have been a better book. I mean, they are both really good. I, I, I kind of like the McGinnis one a little more, but I always kind of joke that, you know, I moved here in 04 when I was 19, and I feel like I was born a little bit too late. If I was, if I was that age in the 70s, I could have come up here. And it was just wild times back then.
1: Oh, yeah. It, uh, it, it was quite interesting to see the, the change. Um, I remember when Anchorage had maybe 30,000 people at the time when I was first here. Wow, and ten like percent um, of the current, yeah, exactly, and uh, only like I think it was a quarter mile of uh, New suit was
0: paved. Wow! So when you were younger coming up here, I mean, even now it's like the, cause some of the nostalgia or some of the novelties were worn off because of everything's on the internet and it's reality shows. But when I moved here in '04, I told my friends I'm going to Alaska, and they were like, "Are you fucking crazy?" Like, you know, they they thought it was just this is before Palin and you know internet you know reality shows and and all this stuff that would just makes alaska so much more
1: well it was considered the last or, frontier yeah it makes
0: it makes it so much more kind of familiar but back in the 60s i imagine people were like what would your friends say or they must have thought you were like totally nuts uh, well, yeah that or where's alaska
1: <laughs> a lot of people didn't know much about the state uh, it was just it was just a brand new state at that yep, point or a couple exactly. Of years exactly but um yeah it was uh, um it was uh, there were differences I would say from today. I mean, one of the biggest ones I, I remember was being here and for two weeks straight it'd be like 15 below, and this is in Anchorage. Mm-hmm. You don't get that very much anymore.
0: Yeah, I just did a podcast uh, a couple of days ago with Brian Bretschneider. You know him? He's a climatologist. I've yeah. heard of him. Yeah, pretty pretty big Twitter kind of presence. But we were talking about how you know there's like climate and weather, but but even you talked to a lot of people like you just said that remember Anchorage is a lot colder. Back 50, mm-hmm. 50 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. And it, more and more snow. We've had a couple of times where, you know, I've been trying to think maybe eight, nine remember that yeah, eight, nine years ago, there was no snow until like December. It was cold, but, but it then, didn't snow at all. But then what was it a couple of years after that we had a huge amount of snow? And then there was that one, yeah, there was that I remember that one storm and I forget what year it was. Remember it snowed in like a huge storm, like a foot and a half in like May. Yeah. And they didn't nobody even plow it was so warm at that point, they didn't even plow it. So yeah. I just kind of stuck around for a little bit. And it was a really big, big kind of... I know,
1: probably people were just going,
0: wow. <laughs> I grew up in New Mexico and we used to... It's so funny here because, I mean, it'll be like 20 below, 10 below and two feet of snow and whatever. People go to school. But in, New Mexico, in Albuquerque, we'd get like two inches of snow and everything shut down. Oh, yeah. The government, schools, it was just everything would stop for... and It would be like fun. We'd go play, make snow. And then two days later, it was all melted.
1: Well, it's a story. When I came up early with my uncle before the pipeline time or actually it was just r- right about the pipeline time. Cool. Um, there was like a quarter inch of snow, just snowed. And my uncle said, well, I'm staying home today. And I go, What well, what are you talking about? You've, you've lived here all these years. How do you, how's a quarter inch hurt you? And he goes, you'll see. And so at the end of the day, when the paper came, there was like 700 accidents because you know, all the people from
0: Texas came came up here. They oh, didn't know the, how to yeah.
1: drive. They didn't know how to drive in that snow.
0: Well, it's always funny too, cause the first snow, and obviously people transient new people, but the first snow, every time there's always accidents. They're ditches. Yeah. You know, everybody's because people, in the people ditch. just kinda of forget, right? You get six months of no nothing and then it's always the first one where people are in the ditch and it's like the whole kind of you know, it's just wild.
1: Yeah. I've I've learned a long time ago to stay home on the first snow.
0: Mm-hmm. We're getting there too, man. It's already sup- almost September. <laughs> Damn, summer flew by, didn't it? Jeez.
1: Well, uh, August. <laughs> August yep. is about over, yeah. But uh, thankfully, I don't see the termination dust yet.
0: I think we're probably not too far away. Probably. Well, not. so let's talk about why you're running for um, legislature. I mean, have you? Have you? You've never run before, have you? For for <laughs> legis- legislature? No, it's my office? first time.
1: But uh, the reason I figured that I would run. Well, there's a few reasons, but one is since I was with the board, um, twenty years here. Uh, NLRB. Yep, the NLRB. I've been all over Alaska, um, you know, doing the cases and everything, um, and I got to see how the economy actually works at a detailed level,
0: uh, on the slope, you know, all different places. NLRB is a it's a government entity, mm-hmm. right? So, what are they we do, doing like labor arbitration or disputes, or
1: yeah, what, what we do is, two, we have two functions. One is to hold elections for um, union representation, and the other is to investigate and uh, prosecute um,
0: unfair labor practices. Okay. Um, this goes back to, I think, Roosevelt time, right? Yep. yep NLRB. No, we were
1: the, NLRB was the first agency, actually, um, to be an independent one, and it's the one that um, was brought to the court, where the court found that uh, it was um, constitutional. OK, so that was that was the fame of the board back in 1935. Uh, but anyway, it's uh, when you go around and you see the the economy, you also have to deal with both unions and management. And I've gotten um, the skills to bring people to settlement. And I've been very good at that. And I'm hoping that those are the kind of skills that I can use in Juneau. Uh, have, since, you June? have you been to Juno? Have you been
0: to Well, I've been to Juno. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, I've been the last four years down there, and it is a, it's pretty wild. The Legisl- legislature is a pretty wild place.
1: Oh, I understand, but that's what I'm saying, is I'm hoping that those skills will be useful because uh, I do want to be able to work across the aisle. We are in a different situation than the national um, you know parties being so uh, polarized. Mm-hmm. Here, you know, at least in my district, you know, everybody's going to live in the same cu- community. So they're going to have the same problems. You know, it doesn't like, take for example, wildfire. It doesn't, wildfire doesn't care if you're, you know, moderate, progressive, conservative, you're in trouble. So I think everybody has an interest in dealing with wildfires. Um, Those are the kinds of things that if I can get people together, they'll realize they have a lot of stuff in common. We can actually get something done. And that's what I'm hoping to be able to do.
0: So, uh... Why did you decide, like right now, to you know, run for the legislature? What, what was were you thinking about it before? I mean, are you are you still with NLRB or are you? Oh no, I had
1: retired from the NLRB. Matter of fact, that's why I I can can run for uh-huh. office. Uh, while you're a federal employee, you can't run for office. You can't. Is it the Hatch Act? The Hatch Act, yeah. all of that business. So I wasn't able to get involved in the politics very much. When did you When
0: did you retire? Um, I retired. Uh, what was it? Almost three years ago. Okay, so you've had some time to. So you're now redistricting has put you, has put Shaw into a different district. Um, And then, like I said before, it just would be my district now. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're, but his, he's an incumbent now in a district that's changed a bit from his old district. Right. But it's just two of you where a lot of these races have, many have two, some have three, if you have four. Um, And you're a Democrat, he's a Republican. And right now with the primary vote, I think it's about 45, 55
1: well i'm 44 he's he's 56 you know yeah. so
0: the general ha- has a more moderate kind of electorate so i guess what you know what do you think you're... this is one of the races a lot of people bring up i mean they bring up a handful of kind of races that cuz right now the house is a majority coalition um but with republicans if they can win a couple of races you know it could be republican but also you know like louis stutz and bart lebon they used to be in the coalition um louis is in the current one bart lebon was in the old one so there's basically four or five races, which are going to kind of determine the outcome of how the house organizes next year.
1: Yeah. And plus the redistricting has some of the Democrats running against each other,
0: right? Like fields and Drummond. um, And then a few others got paired and, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, the legislature is going to be very right now. I think there's at least going to be 16 new house members out of 40, but I think it's going to be more like 18 and it could be up to 20. If you you were to win and a few others were to, you know, incumbents were to lose. Um, So I guess, you know, how important, I mean, do you see this race as one of the oh, I important see this, ones a lot of people yes. are talking about in yes, this race? The, yes,
1: this is a very important race. It's uh, high on even the Democrats list because of the possibility of winning. Um, I see that um, the Democrats usually don't come out for the primaries. So hopefully by the general, we'll get a lot more of the Democrats out. I'm still
0: um, hitting the so to say. Um, how's, how's the door? You've been doing door-to-door, door door, door, I imagine. Yeah. How's that been going? I've run before, too, so I know.
1: Yeah, that's been actually pretty interesting. I have uh, uh, I wrecked my knee on one part, so I have to be a little more careful doing it. But, um, yeah, I'm going door-to-door. Door. I'm actually finding an awful lot of people, and conservatives included, who really are looking for people who will wor- work across the aisle. Um, I was sort of surprised, given... Um, you know, what you hear about uh, the legislature today, but people do want that. We're um, pr- working together. People really do want to have something done. It's, it's funny so. how the, the
0: public typically has a really kind of like Congress. They they have a, a poor view. Of the p- overall approval of the legislature is not good, but, mm. but, but then it's kind of like Congress, like they might, they, they might like their guy or right. they might not, you know, so it's always this weird thing where the, the group of the group as a whole has really low approval ratings, but, then you know typically incumbents you know they're 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 unfavored to get reelected because people kind of have seen the name before and they're kind of they're kind of there. But it's interesting with redistricting. A lot of these incumbents are in very like Andy Josephson's one. Of, that's my district. Mm-hmm. That's one of the races people are watching, and he only retained about 15 percent of his old district. Mm. And then his opponent Hensley, you know, she's run for a legislature unsuccessfully against Tuck, and then assembly recently. So like so, Laddie, this is his third time. And I think, wasn't he unopposed? I think he might have been unopposed. He was last unopposed time. last time, yes. And, and it's even crazy now with his new rank choice and this new system. One of the kind of selling points was, oh, more people, all this. I mean, you know, a huge amount of these legislative races only have two people. And then seven of them only have, they're unopposed. Mm-hmm. They have no, opponent. I mean, Bryce Edgman, this McCormick guy from, Be- he's new. Um, Josiah Pocketalk, Ben Carpenter. You know, it's like, it's just kind of wild that, that every year we see this, where every two years where a lot of people don't get. And I, you the list uh,
1: from APOC and you go down it and you see the red and there's a lot of nobody, you know, mm-hmm. just one person running. So yeah. Um, some places there are only Democrats running, but uh, it does seem mostly the Repo- uh, Republicans have uh,
0: most of the uh, races that are unopposed. So, so if, if you are to win, um, I assume you're probably, you're a Democrat, you're probably more, you'd be you'd be, op- you'd be open or likely to be in some kind of coalition. Mm-hmm. Yes. What do you think about this dividend Is this is the big one, right? I mean, mm-hmm. this has been the paraly- paralyzing issue for the last six years. Um, you know, wh- wh- where are you on that and kind of how that would, wh- what's your, talking about.
1: With my take on bringing it? Bringing people
0: together and, and, you know, solving problems. How do you think this gets, this issue gets solved?
1: Well, I'll tell you, you, one of the things you do, and of course one of my, my areas in college was history, is you do look at the history and see how it developed. And I think, the seminal position is the uh, court case uh, the
0: Willischowski mm-hmm. um I sort of this is where the court said that it's subject subject to appropriation this this formula yeah uh, statutory formula
1: and yeah they based it on the idea that um you have to look at what the uh, voters um understood as the words that they were they used in the um voting um and and I'm not so sure you'd want to do stuff like like that. That's sort of getting into. Um,
0: turn, turn the mic a little bit. I want to make sure you're. Oh, sorry. Oh, thanks.
1: Um, it's sort of like what the current you know U.S. Supreme Court is doing is looking at um, you know uh, original intent. Mm-hmm. Um, they did. I don't think the court needed to do that. They could have come out a different way because what they had done, I think, was not. Um, um, the way a lot of people would have uh, agreed with. I mean, there's even a Duke University uh, article that can, you know is, crit- is critical of the court and the way that they read what um, the words meant for the people. Uh, and uh, I, the, the formula, yeah. They if you can if they stayed away from having um, original intent. Uh, or even if you wanted the original intent, it all depends which level of intent you're talking about. I don't think the people had an intent to close down the state. Well, so, the other thing is,
0: this, and I always bring this up to people, because you know, they're always talking about Hammond, and first of all, Hammond wanted the income tax, which, which isn't here. It went away. Right. But also, originally, it was this longevity-based system. There was a court case, the mm-hmm. Zobel case. So that, I mean, well, that, 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 that
1: made sense, because that was a, um, a U.S. Supreme Court case of, De- dealing with um, the rights of citizens,
0: right, right, and I, you know, that's, I know that's the, the 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 law, but the original intent wasn't to. Ha- and then there was this lawsuit in the '90s about permanent residents, which make up some number. Of, so, I mean, the the original plan for the f- dividend mm-hmm. has changed a lot since right. it passed al- already with the mm-hmm. Zobel case, which was pretty um, impactful for the how the system was was structured, the dividend program, and then also this permanent, you know, permanent resident situation that was the case in the 90s. But mm-hmm. it, it, um, it just kind of, like, ceased, it, it never ceases to amaze me how people pick, pick and choose things that, that benefit their arguments on this issue, but they ignore, like Hammond, for example, the, the income tax. He really wanted the income. He wanted to put it to zero, mm-hmm. leave it on the books, but keep it there. in just case. In, case. in yes. case, you know, you're in a situation like we're not, we're not, as, not as much now because the price of well went up. But, I mean, four years ago, it was like, I mean, you remember, it was, like, wild.
1: Oh, I know. I think what we have to do is secure the uh, permanent fund, but everybody's arguing about, you know, splitting it so that we can have services and have less of the permanent fund to be 50-50. Yeah, there's the 50 or the um, 75-25, uh-huh. uh, which would be the Democrats version. Um, the other way to look at it, though, is to say we have to bring in different and diverse industries, And that way we can build up um, a revenue again so that we don't have to basically um, splinter apart the uh, permanent fund as as we're doing at the moment and fighting over it and everything. Uh, If people get together um, and we make a community that becomes attractive to other industries... They're going to come here, and I think there are industries that are already very interested in the resources and the renewable resources that we have. So if we can have a community that has good schools, that has um, good firefighters and police and things of that sort, they're going to be more inclined to come. But when we cut you know, the pensions of the um, public workers, things of that sort, we're starting to lose a lot of our talent. As you probably know, a lot of teachers have left. A
0: lot of um, police, police I mean, the, have left. The, the governor yeah. Dunleavy's current um, public safety commissioner, Cockrell, he, he testified a couple times in legislature that he he called this a training ground for Western states. Yeah, where we you know they do the five years and then they 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 go in Washington State or I mean I think we we used to have um, I, I would say pr- pretty, most people would agree a, 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 an overly generous pension system in the eight you know the tier one and and then they kind of went to tier two. It it was, we needed people to get up here and there was a lot of, I'm not saying it, but, but it was probably a little too generous, but then we've gone to like the other extreme where we have, it's all, there's there's no pension anymore. Mm -hmm, and and There has to be, I think, some kind of middle ground where it's like you can recruit people and have a decent pension. That's not going to break the bank, but it is also going to, you know, allow people, teachers, firefighters, public, you know, police, all these different positions, because I mean, Right now, you see what's going on with you know, school bus drivers, teachers, public safety. It's really a, not just not just here, but nationwide.
1: Yeah, but even here, it's it's a, it's a big problem. They're giving bonuses. Uh, I know the Teamsters are um, having a bonus and uh, offering training to get your certificate, your driving certificate, so that you can drive the school buses. Mm-hmm. Those, because right now, some of the schools are not going to have the routes covered.
0: Oh, no, it's a huge crisis. I mean, I have friends yeah. that have kids and they're going to drop their kids off now because they're rotating which which schools have route bus bus service and they're having to wait 30 or 40 minutes each to to drop their kids off and pick them up right because there's you know hundreds of cars which is i mean I, to to me I, it's just well, it's crazy we, that we don't we have
1: might f- get more people when the tours um uh, you know run down a the bit. Tour, tourism yeah, tour, because tour a lot buses. of the because a lot of the uh, drivers will go from the the tour buses Uh, to the school buses, so some of that will be taken care of. But I think we have to set a type of system so we don't have to worry about that every Mm -hmm. so often. Uh, When the oil goes up or oil goes down, we suffer for it or prosper, but we shouldn't be so uh, much on a roller coaster. That's why I think we have to have diverse industries here to um, sort of settle things
0: So. so Uh, You know, I've been here, you know, since 04 and I've kind of watched things. I'm all about, you know, more growing the economy and and diversifying. But it seems like historically when people talk about that, not you I'm saying, but some of the industries, my always concern is they're always looking for some government subsidy Mm -hmm. to get. And and that always makes me nervous when, you know, I always think about that fish plant, you know, and change point, you know, that church, it was an ADA project that they, this guy kind of pitched them on, we're going to do this big fish, you know, we're going to sell fish and. They got like $50 million, and I think they sold it for $20 million. Mm. Um, So I'm always, I'm all about that. I, I just, sometimes I think some of the people who want to, quote unquote, diversify, they want a lot of government money. Well,
1: if we're going to have uh, an attraction, um, we have to first uh, make sure that the funding is there as well. Um, the, these businesses are going to look at you, the university, uh, for research, development, uh, even for employees, uh-huh. um, so we do have to reinvest that way the The uh, question is where do you get the money to start it? And I think the best way to do it is instead of allowing outside um, private you know uh, especially rich um, donors in a sense, for um, people who want to start up businesses. If we had our own Alaska bank, um, we would get funding and it would be uh, um, sort sort of, I hate to say the word subsidized, but you would get this type of money from the feds because the feds want to make sure that all the banks have the money to work back and forth with each other. And so a lot of that we would have to be able to give our own loans to um, uh-huh. small businesses as well as the larger businesses. So that way we can start making the changes that we need that would be attractive.
0: I think it's just important to, m- to make sure whatever industry you're trying to, to um, create or, or help along that over time becomes a, a positive, you know, a positive mm-hmm. tax- you know, they're paying, they're costing the state money. They're, they're, they're contributing um, exactly. something or, or, you know, if, even if it's neutral or whatever, they're creating jobs and employing folks. Well,
1: but- that's why there would be loans. Because those would be paper. No, there, there
0: was, I mean, I'm trying to think who that was years ago, there was talk about a state bank. Mm-hmm. And I don't think it ever was that. I remember I read an article about a long time ago. They wanted to, maybe the 80s, they wanted to create like a state bank. Um. And they kind of had an A. Charles Duncan? It might Yeah, it might have been him. Yeah. I mean, they have ADA, I guess, which I'm, I'm always real skeptical of because yeah, they, I mean, they always yeah. get involved. Whoever the governor is, you always uses ADA for their own little kind of slush fund for little projects.
1: Yeah, you know, it, uh, if you're going to have it work, you have to have it work with a governor because uh, the governor's got to be sort of like the cheerleader for you. Yeah. Um, that And right now with Dunleavy, he's not been the greatest cheerleader, I would say. <laughs>
0: but um, Open for business, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, so going back to the, um, I mean, what, what's your, on the dividend, like what, what would your solution be? Would it be the Constitution? Would it be a statutory formula change? Would it Would it be a kind of? whatever we can do every year based on well, I, we have.
1: Well, I would not want to do a constitutional change because if you open it up uh, for a constitutional convention... Not, not necessarily gonna, a convention, but just, just a,
0: you know... Oh, an put, amendment? Put, putting it in the Constitution. Some people have, you know, the governor and some legislators have... That's been their kind of An idea. amendment, yeah. An amendment, yeah.
1: Well, I, I guess because it's, you know, the Supreme Court that made the decision, that's the final decision, whatever problems you may have with it, that's what we have to live with, um, so if we're going to um, do something with the permanent fund, we have to address that decision, uh, and that decision, um, I think, is allowing f- for the legislature to make the appropriations, and the governor can um, either sign or veto. I mean, that's that's what um,
0: Walker had done before; he yeah. vetoed it. So, um, well, it just gets it, you know. And, and I'm, I i do not you know, I think this obviously the statutory formula doesn't work. I mean, it hasn't mm-hmm. worked for six years, but they keep it. The problem is they keep it there, mm-hmm. and then it's kind of an ad hoc, whatever we can afford. And then everybody, the governor came out a year ago, and the, the, the working group in the legislature, most people came, came behind, got behind the 50-50 idea, which I thought, you know, look, this, isn't, this doesn't really work. The numbers don't work with 50-50 without revenues. Mm-hmm. They, get, they get closer. But then the price of oil goes up, and then the governor and many legislators, they want to shoot it up to 5,500 or 4,300, whatever it is. So you, I mean, there has to, in my view, there has to be some kind of big agreement on. Here's the frigging. Here's, here's what we're gonna do. This is it. And I think the public even w- w- would appreciate, even if it's a lower n- number, they would appreciate. Hey, we know what we're gonna get. We know it's gonna be this amount or this formula. We can count on that instead of the games where it's you know it's four thousand, it's one thousand, it's three thousand, it's twenty five hundred, it's eleven 1, hundred plus on a thir- eleven $1, hundred dollar rebate. You know, it just gets very. Um, well, I think one of the concerns people have, and I think Willikowski
1: himself has, is that um, there are people, especially indigenous um, and uh, the outskirts of Alaska and the villages, this is
0: their only income. They, they were, yeah, no. And Brad Keithley writes a weekly column for for me on the uh, it's called the chart Chart of the Week. But his position really is the dividend is the most important. You know, limiting that is the biggest adverse. He calls it the biggest adverse impact on on the on you know, the eighty percent of people. Well, who, who don't but, make as much money as a 20, you know, the people who make more money, it's a, it's, it's a much smaller part of their income.
1: Oh, well, granted, but what I, the way I'm, I'm looking at it is, um, if you're going to take some of that money um, for um, um, the government, if it goes to services that people want, those be, you know, the same services you would want to have out in the villages and for the indigent, all of that. So in a sense, um, the money can still be geared toward the people who need it, uh, even through services if you take it from the permanent fund. So I think the 2575 would make sense, but it all depends on what it is that we are going to use that money for.
0: Well, and that, that also becomes the question. We we see what happens when when the money pours in. We saw this in 2008 and nine. you know, where the – 100, yeah. $150 oil. Then everybody goes nuts about Everybody, it. Yeah. capital budgets are shooting up to $2 billion and, and all this money gets kind of, kind of spent everywhere. So, so it's true. It, it's, it's, it's like, where's the money going? Mm-hmm. Um, the 25, that's kind of the Burt Stedman idea, 25, 75, 25 for dividends, 75 for, which I think would be about 1200 I think it's about, that would be a $1,200 dividend probably
1: um, I'll, I'll take your your word for that. i mean the statutory aside. the
0: statutory dividend this year would have been 4300 yeah that that's under correct. the old yeah. system which is that's the thing too it's like the the fund gets the you fund has gotten so much bigger over the last 20 20 year 30 years that now you have this huge fund and then this five-year average deal of earnings you know and we've had this this couple of years with covid i mean the thing went up 25 percent <laughs> just insane. like well that's why crazy think, earnings
1: yeah well that's why i think the court should have had the decision based on more of the Constitution there. The Constitution says that the resources are there for the benefit of the people and for public interest. And a lot of people forget about the public interest. Uh, the public interest means that the whole society, the whole structure that we
0: have has to be there for everyone. So you don't you don't think you think they... Didn't make the right decision when they say well, it's I sub, say subject they, to they, appropriation?
1: Well, I think the, the decision comes down maybe on the correct end, but I think I don't like the way they went about doing it. They could have done it better and not have uh, so much criticism of it. How, how do you? Because as I say, if, if they looked at, instead of, Instead of limiting it to, um, well, what did people think of the, this particular word? What, what was their understanding when they were making their that's vote like, like the Scalia 72? The, the, that's, that's like the Scalia yeah. style, right? The, right. It's like, why, why do that? Because, I mean, if you want to talk about intent, which intent? Are you talking about the intent for a single word? Are you talking about the intent of the entire um, amendment? Are you talking about what, the intent of the legislature? and of the administration when it comes to this i mean where is this intent you're going to be looking at uh that's one of the problems when you're talking about original intent is like which intent Uh, you Uh can go down you know you can actually go down and you say well what's the intent of congress And you go "Oh, I, i voted for his bill because he was going to vote for mine you know what kind of intent is that yeah you know um it's going to be different for everybody so
0: this notion of intent really is I think a um well but but i mean there are, there are there are constitutional obligations there's pension obligations, mm-hmm. there's educational obligations, so the legislature does in the end they they are the appropriating body mm-hmm. and it just becomes this really weird situation where the people who want this big dividend, many of them don't want any taxes, so they're willing to sacrifice actual constitutional obligations mm-hmm. for a dividend check, mm-hmm. which I mean, I, I, I personally, this, I don't agree with these people, but the ones who say, we need to do a full dividend and we have to tax, we have to raise revenues, at least they're kind of consistent and they're, mm-hmm. they're, they're genuine. They're, they Did have they have want some, to find the money. They're, they're, they're genuine about the thing. But, you know, they're, they're, they're honest. Mm-hmm. It's the ones who say, well, we got to pay these large dividends. We don't need any taxes. And what well, we got to cut the budget by, which they tried to do, and you know, Dunleavy tried that in 19 and it didn't really work, work out too, too well.
1: Well, I think maybe we can use a, the, The formula is a heuristic so that, of course, we want to approach it. It might be the model that we want to end up with. But the way we're going to be able to do that is if we bring in more of the um, diverse industries. I mean, that's, I think, the bottom case. If we're not going to bring in any industry, we're we're screwed. screwed. (laughs) If you you
0: win, I have a feeling you're going to be the... Diverse industries guy.
1: Yeah, you have to. I, I don't see a, uh, any other alternative.
0: It's either that or you continue cutting everything until there's nothing left. So going forward, we got a, you know, a little over two months before the general. It's right now with this first round kind of primary, call mm-hmm. it a poll, about a 10-point difference. Um, what's your, like, What's the strategy? What's, what's, what's your plan? How, how, do you, how, do you, how do you win in November?
1: Well, uh, to get my name out there, for one thing, um, I see that a lot of people are I mean, as, a, as you see, in one month of uh, campaigning, um, I get forty almost forty five percent. That
0: I, I'm told is pretty good. Um, I mean, it's it's hard. Like I've r- I ran in 2012. It's funny. I got the primary. I lost, but I got 44 percent is what I what I ended up in Republican primary back in 2012. But it's just really hard. You're like me. Nobody knows. You know, brand mm-hmm. new person. Now, Laddie's been there for. You know, people heard the name. He was in the news a lot with all the. Planning to be in the Senate. I mean, you know, he's been on the ballot a couple of times, so um, it is. It's it's always a challenge for a first time candidate to knock on the door. You mm-hmm. know, who the hell are you? Well, you know, it's also um, you know Laddie himself, uh, his actions.
1: People are watching him too. Uh, hopefully, um, that he has taken a turn to the right, which I sort of um, sort of s- surprised in.
0: He uh, seemed to have been a moderate before. He worked for knowles and and I originally when he first won there was that gridlock in 2019 under the um you know they couldn't organize in the house for a month and I think I and a lot of people thought maybe he might be a potential coalition you know might be in a coalition Position person yeah but and, and he's, he's actually he's actually ended up being one of the more um he's sometimes on certain bills might work you know he got the helicopter Vietnam helicopter memorial thing a lot of people worked you know got on got behind that but but overall yeah he's definitely one one of the kind of more vocal um, conservative members of the minor, repub, Republican minority.
1: Yeah, and, and, and uh, as I said, he seems to have moved right, rightwards, um, for whatever reason. Um, but
0: when he was in, he, what, he did um, of his own, I think there was only five bills that he's
1: put in of his own.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's hard in minority to get, you know, I think he got the hel- helico- Vietnam helicopter bridge or that was kind of one. But I mean, it's, I mean, if I ever were to, I tell people, if I were to ever be in the legislature, I, I'd, I'd say my, my, uh, hopefully my, my, um, accolades would be, I didn't get any bills passed because I think we have enough fucking bit laws. You know? <laughs> it's, it's ironic to, 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 repeal a bill. You have to introduce a bill to repeal a law. You have to introduce a bill. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of ironic that if you want to, if you want to get rid of lo- lo- laws, you have to introduce bills.
1: <laughs> well, it's, it's the way it's where you, you build up a procedure so that everybody knows, um, how it works and, mm-hmm. and to, uh, Everybody's
0: on the same page, so to say. It's funny, too. Sometimes, you know, this happens once in a while where somebody introduces a bill and then you, you can't control it. it. goes to committees. There's, a you know, things change. They can amend it. Mm-hmm. And then there's there's been instances where people end up voting against their own bill. Yeah. Well, because it gets changed so much that all of a sudden it's like, wait a minute. I don't. <laughs> well, it's it's a product of everybody. Yep. And so at the end, it's not your, you know, uh, baby much anymore. So you in, Vote against it or not. This is the biggest problem, I think, in Juno, for a lot of people. There are sixty legislators, and 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 a lot of people want to work with themselves, and maybe if one of one other one other person, or they just don't have a collaborative view. And, well, and that's is,
1: that's why you you know you have to work at it. You have to work on these people. They each going to have their own individual ra- rationales for what they're doing. So it's hard to give one, you know, so- solution, but. You you have to find out what each of these people are like, find out what it is that they need. Um, basically, that's what a lot of it is, is trading. You know, find out what their want, wants mm-hmm. are and, so that they can get together and get something that everybody really needs and wants and get away from saying, well, it's it's not the
0: position of my party, therefore, I, I'm not going to do you, it. You, you, you get so much of, and it's not just a, it's a right and left, it's different people, but it's kind of, you know, you're either with me or against me. Mm-hmm. And, and that's and, not and good. This has gotten more pronounced, and I see it down there when I'm, and you're, you know, sometimes I think for some of these people, 80, 85, 90% is a failing grade. Yeah. And uh, as it's 100 say, or, or nothing.
1: I know. And the question is, why? I mean, if you live in the same community and you have the same problems, why is there going to be such a diversity going out there, you know, of people saying, oh, no, I can't do this. We were not going to work with you on that. Well, you know, if it's not, you're not going to work at something that's going to help your
0: own, you know, district. I don't get that. I really don't get that. Well, next year, um, you know, if, if you're successful, it's, regardless, there's going to be a lot of new people. Mm-hmm. And we saw that in 19, a lot of new people, a little bit in 21. But in 2020 or 2018, a lot of new people. I mean, Laddie was new. Sarah Rasmussen was new. Josh Rivak was new. Ben Carpenter. So you have all these new people who had never been in Juno, never worked, you know, not never, they weren't staffers, they weren't around. And we're going to see that this time with a lot. And that, then you get a situation where people, you know, have no ba- bearings on anything. And this is my fourth, I've been down there four sessions now. And it took me, I would say two full sessions to really start to grasp how, how things work. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, that, that's just a rudimentary understanding. It took me two more to get to where I can, you see something happening and you understand, Oh, this is why this happened. This is what this is what's going on. Really, what's going on? Yeah, that would be the specifics
1: of uh, this of this particular legislature and and a new one actually. Maybe even different, uh, more different than that. Um, but I have had some experience in legislature um, when um, I was with the board. The board has their own uh, union, and I was on their national um, board for a while as the uh, chair of the legislative committee. So mm. I was dealing with legis- legislation quite a bit
0: um for those few years well it's it's uh been great talking to you david i mean fascinating I, I, you're uh sometimes i get on podcasts and it's kind of like what are we going to talk about? some people don't <laughs> yeah where so, do you start <laughs> yeah you, but you, know, you you've, you've very interesting history and, and you know your uncle and being up here and, and working in labor but um it's been great talking to you and you know you wish you the best it's going to be one of the races people are watching so well thank you very much and again this is uh kind of just where the new district south anchorage huffman area right it's
1: yeah, it's uh, Huffman Avenue going south, taking in Girdwood, and Whittier.
0: Oh yeah, that's right. That did go to Gird. Yeah, that went. They went down south, right?
1: Yeah, the, there was that court case which brought Whittier yeah. back in. Yeah,
0: right. So that, that, that actually, that's a probably a lot of new area for Laddie from, from his old district because his old district was just Anchorage. Mm-hmm. So so you got to go to Whittier and you got to go to Girdwood. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> a little harder going door to door when you got to go through the tunnel.
1: Yeah, that's 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 definitely going to be a big chore. Yeah, (laughs) well, it's good to find out, you know, what everybody wants, what their what their hopes are, uh, because once if if I do get elected, I'm going to have to represent everybody. So
0: yeah, well, we'll be we'll be watching your race, and thanks for coming on, and uh, best of luck, and I'm sure we'll talk to you again.
1: All right, thank you very much.
0: Okay, David Chaff, Democratic candidate for uh, South Anchorage, one of the against against Representative Laddie Shaw. And uh, if you have an idea for a podcast, folks, who want to do a podcast, uh, get a hold of me. If you're listening to us on iTunes or Spotify or Stitcher or anything, please give us a like and review. We really appreciate that. And stay tuned for the next podcast.